Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. Sometimes more than daily. Apparently, in this case, it's like three times a day, which feels like the case, uh, or twice a day, I guess. Yesterday, we had an emergency Zeke Elliott podcast when he signed his contract. Um, we also talked to Brady Quinn. And then today, we have Heath Cummings breaking down all things fantasy football for you. That's going to be happening every single day, or every single week, excuse me, of the NFL season. And also, joining me now... And as you know, every Monday and Thursday to break down, they're called bonus podcasts, I guess. Uh, they're just extra podcasts. We're doing like 10 a week to preview Monday Night Football and Thursday Night Football, the start of the season. Jared Dubin, what's up, Dubes? Hey. Long Why time. are you not doing daily podcasts with Heath to talk fantasy every single day? That seems like something you guys should do. You know what? You can actually, if you want to hear Heath every single day, you can do so on Fantasy Football Today. The award-winning, maybe, I don't know, who knows, uh, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast, Daily NFL Fantasy Football Podcast, uh, where they break down waivers, et cetera, et cetera. So Heath cannot give me daily information. He can give me weekly information. I feel like that is a pretty good job uh, by Heath to join us at least weekly. I feel bad, but then uh, BrewDog, the delightful Ohio brewery, uh, sent him a uh, sent him a bunch of beer. So, because James Marks, who listens to this podcast, awesome guy, great listener, also listens to FFT, uh, hooks us up with some beer every now and then. And so, as a result, Heath is more than enthused to come on and talk with me. But we don't need to talk beer or brats or um, or cheese or anything else. We need to talk Packers and Bears. What is the so we're mo- going from cheese to cheese heads? I think that's a good transition. Exactly. What is the uh, you you did the deep dive stats preview on this thing? What's the most interesting? thing about this game to you is it Mitchell Trubisky or is it per, perchance the new look uh, Packers offense I think it's just the, the the ways that this matchup is going to be different from the two matchups they played last year just because of how much change the Packers have gone through over the last year mm-hmm. obviously they're running a significantly different offense now with Matt LaFleur in there rather than Mike McCarthy who was running an offense from like 1994 now they're essentially going to be running the Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay style offense with a lot of zone runs, a lot more play action passing, a lot more, you know, scheming guys into position to be open rather than counting on Aaron Rodgers to be Aaron Rodgers and hit super tight windows on all back shoulder throws and things like that. And then on the defensive side of the ball for the Packers, their personnel is just so much different than it was last season, especially in the first game of the year when Muhammad Wilkerson was still healthy And when, you know, guys like Jair Alexander and Kevin King and Josh Jackson weren't really full-time players yet, and obviously they've got two new safeties this year as well with Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage, who they traded up for in the draft. And, you know, obviously they they brought in a whole new cast of edge rushers. You know, Clay Matthews is gone. Nick Perry is gone. Reggie Gilbert, who was a guy that played a lot for them earlier in the season – uh, when Kyler Fackrell was out, he's gone. And they got Preston Smith, they got Zadarius Smith, they got Rashawn Gary, their first round pick, and then Mike Daniels is gone too. So it's just, it's such a different Green Bay team than what we saw last season. Hmm. Indeed it is. Are, are you, are you, I know this you probably didn't dive into this, but I at least I'm curious, do you, do you buy or sell the idea that Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers are not BFFs and can't get along and that, uh, this restrictive offense will cause Aaron Rodgers creativity to shrivel up and he will become an angst ridden millennial who cannot deal with, uh, his, his existential crisis? 
I mean, LaFleur <laughs> yesterday or two days ago when you're listening to this sort of laughed at all the questions he's been getting about whether or not Rodgers will be able to audible at the line. Like, first of all, every quarterback in the league can audible at the line. It's just like it's it's sort of a ridiculous thing that this has become like the dominant storyline of their camp. And like, obviously Aaron Rodgers has been in the league for whatever it is, like 12, 13 years. Like he's going to have the freedom. If a play looks like a disaster at the line of scrimmage, he's going to be able to change it. Like that's just something that you trust your quarterback to do, especially when he's as good as an, and, and as experienced as Aaron Rodgers is. I just don't think it's that big of a deal. If, you know, he doesn't let Rodgers do a hundred percent of what he wants. Like Mike McCarthy apparently did because that offense was antiquated and Rodgers had to change every play. Otherwise it would have been a disaster. Uh, we talked about with Josh Hirschmeyer, uh, 538 about the, 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 how the, how the Packers were used play action. How much of a bump do you expect to see from a team that did not run a lot of play action last year, uh, in the coming season? Oh, I expect to see like a massive, massive bump. Like last year, this is something that's, uh, that's in the piece that you're probably reading with this podcast if you're listening to it, uh, on the website, but, Last year, Rodgers only had – let me pull this up right now uh, – 20.1% of his pass attempts last season came on play actions. That was 30th out of 37 qualified passers. That's just wow. – like I would – It's. I feel like it, the, the word disgrace is appropriate for that. I mean it's completely ridiculous considering, A, how good of a play action passer Rodgers is and how much – he can make happen for you specifically when you, you know, play action and then roll him out to one side of the field. He can make plays with his arm or his legs. And then just the, the increased efficiency of play action passes compared to straight drop back passes, especially when you're under center. Um, LaFleur, meanwhile, like he comes from again, the Shanahan McVeigh school of offenses. The Rams were second in play action rate last season. Jared Goff, Marcus Mariota was fifth in play action rate last season. Like, I think you should expect Rodgers to be within the top five or six in play action passing this year. Wow. And, I mean, for those that, that missed the Hirschmeyer thing, and Dubin, you know this as an analytical mind, play action, very successful. Like, more, even without running the ball, you don't even need to run the ball to run play action. It's mm-hmm. extremely successful, correct? Yes. Uh, and right. it's, uh, like, a lot of um, – Recent research, and I know Josh has done some research on this, several other people have shown, like, it's not even that you don't need to run the ball. It's that even if you run the ball more effectively than another team, it doesn't necessarily affect how uh, effective your play action passing is. So a team that runs the ball for five yards a carry could conceivably have the same play action effectiveness as a team that runs the ball for three and a half yards a carry. There's not much correlation between those things at all. Uh, do you think that the Packers will be able to be successful against the Bears and Chuck Pagano's new defense running this play action? I mean, I think that play action passing can tend to be um, pretty effective against almost any defense. I think that they would have a significantly more difficult time against this Bears defense if uh, Vic Fangio were still calling the plays there. There was uh, an article on ESPN either earlier this week or late last week. I don't remember where, where it was, but... Uh, Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, and Matt LaFleur, coach the Packers, were all asked who is the most difficult defensive coordinator to scheme and call plays against. And Sean McVay said Vic Fangio. Uh, Kyle Shanahan said Vic Fangio. And mm. Matt LaFleur said Vic <laughs> Fangio. Uh, no offense to Chuck Pagano, but he's not Vic Fangio. Uh, it's just much more difficult, obviously, against him than it is against anybody else. That said, the Bears uh, were very good, uh, I think, among the best in the league against play-action passes last year. 
But one big issue for them, I think, is that they uh, they lost Bryce Callahan, who followed Fangio to Denver, yep. and now their slot corner is Buster Screen from the the Browns and then the Jets, and uh, he was one of the least effective slot corners in the league last season. And I think specifically if they start moving Devontae Adams around more and put him inside a little bit, Ooh. that could be a place where he can really eat considering both, you know, his size and strength advantage over screen, who's a little bit smaller. And then obviously just he's such a good player and against a guy who was not very effective last year. Um, I think that could be a, a big time advantage for them inside. Do you think they'll have uh, Kyle Fuller trailing? Is, I mean, is, is Chuck Wagano going to have shadowing at all on Devontae Adams, or is this going to be a like, hey, if you got him lined up, match up against Screen on the inside, <laughs> there we go? Uh, or and, and conversely, like, could Geronimo Allison, who's expected to see the bulk of the snaps um, mm-hmm. at, 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 in the slot for the Packers this year, could he be a decent maybe uh, DFS or even regular regular fantasy play? Yeah, I mean, I think if Allison spends most of the time inside as he's expected to, then he could be. Uh, a decent play there, but I don't expect the Bears to shadow. They did not shadow last year. They did not shadow the year before. Uh, Kyle Fuller played 99% of his snaps as the left corner last season, and Prince of Mukamara played 99% of his snaps as the right corner last season, and the rates were similar the year before. They play sides. It's, it's something that, you know, that style of defense is what they do. You look at teams, uh, with, with similar defensive philosophies, like the Falcons play sides, the Cowboys play sides, the Seahawks play sides. A lot of teams uh, that play that sort of style of defense tend to keep their guys on one side of the field. That's just where they're effective. That's what they like to do. They never bump their number one guys or number two guys even down into the slot. Maybe Pagano significantly changes things, but given the strengths of that defense and how good they've been, and especially obviously how good they were last year, it seems like you probably don't want to mess with a good thing. Um, if there were any time to do it, though, it might be if Devontae Adams suddenly starts taking every single snap <laughs> inside to uh, to get it matched up on Buster Screen. What uh, what do you think the Packers will do offensively to try and sort of counterbalance Khalil Mack's strength uh, on the edge? I think a lot of it depends whether Mack rushes uh, almost exclusively from the left side of the line, like he did in the first matchup of the year last season, or whether they move him around a bunch and have him rushing off the right and sometimes coming at David Bakhtiari. You know, Brian Balaga is a solid right tackle, but he's not Bakhtiari, who might be the best overall offensive lineman in the entire league. Um, you know, obviously, Mack in that first game last season, especially in the first half, sort of like completely wrecked the game. And uh, so you might want to give some help. Uh, off that side of the line on the right side, whether it's, you know, one of your tight ends out there chipping or a running back chipping or things like that. Uh, if he comes off the left, I think, or sorry, off the right side and the, the left side of the offense, I think you can uh, sort of trust Bakhtiari to handle things one-on-one. But you, you, you obviously don't want him to get a free rush upfield and just be able to sort of terrorize Rodgers. And then obviously, uh, who was it, Deshaun Kaiser, who played while Rodgers was right. out for the however long, like 20 minutes? Last season, you don't want to let him wreck the game like he did last year. All right, let's take a quick break, and we'll call. Uh, we'll come back, and we'll break down the Bears side of things. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. 
The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. All right, so Chicago, when Chicago has the ball, the Bears, what should we expect, dudes? Should we expect Mitchell Trubisky to make a big leap? Or you, do you, I mean, Swimmy thinks he's going to be the MVP, our boy Sean <laughs> Wagner McGuff. I mean, you didn't really think that, but I mean, are you buying that, that Trubisky can make a giant step forward, take a giant step forward in year two with Matt Nagy? I don't know that he necessarily needs to take a giant step forward. I think as long as he takes a, a, uh, one small step, step one small step for bear kind. Yeah. I think it's, it's more in terms of just being a little bit more consistent than he was last year. You know, he had some ridiculous games like the six touchdowns against, I think it was Tampa Bay. And then he had some terrible games like that, that Rams game they played late, right late in the year when him and Goff were sort of both atrocious oh, for God. basically the entire yeah. game. Um, he needs to be more consistent, have fewer of the disaster games, even if it means having fewer of the explosion games. And I think, you know, Matt Nagy is going to put him in position to succeed. They know what they're doing in terms of scheming offense, scheming guys in position to be open. And he's got to take what's there, not necessarily. There was a game, I think, against the Dolphins last year where he, like, had three dropped picks because he just kept trying to throw across his body, across the field, on the run. Like, if somebody's not open, check it down or take off and run. Like, he's one of the best running quarterbacks in the league, Getting seven, eight yards with your legs is better than, you know, throwing into triple coverage or something like that. And <laughs> Nagy's going to get guys open. And if they're not there, that probably means there's an opening for you to do something. And he has the skill set to do it. How much of you, do you, like, do you think that, do you, I mean, do, or do you think that long-term Mitchell Trubisky is going to be the answer for the Bears? Because I, I still buy into him, even though like it, it hurts that Deshaun Watson and uh, Patrick Mahomes are taking after him. I think that hurts him maybe more than anything. But it does feel like he just doesn't have a ton of experience under center. And maybe just like Bears fans, for whatever reason, and, and maybe the national media, just aren't patient enough with the idea that Trubisky can grow into this this bigger role. Yeah, I mean, I would say I'm cautiously optimistic. Like there was, again, there were some really good signs last year. There were some really bad signs last year, but that's what happens with a second year quarterback, especially one who was only the starter for one year in college. You know, you got to get used to things like he first started really taking all of the snaps under center in the last two years. Yeah. Um, obviously in Carolina, they were running a lot of shotgun. You do a lot of shotgun, obviously in Nagy's offense as well, but it's, you know, it's a much different kind of thing. And then, you know, reading defenses at the NFL level is different than it is in college running, you know, your third different offense in three years is a different thing that you might be used to. Like 
there's talent there, certainly. I think he's shown the ability to throw a, a really nice deep ball at times. He obviously, as we just talked about, can make a lot of plays with his legs. Those things are incredibly valuable in the NFL these days from a quarterback. And if he can get, again, more consistent with, you know, short throws, medium range throws, and just decision making, then yeah, he can be the guy for them long term. But again, they have three more years of team control on him right now, you know, with the, the third and fourth years of his rookie contract. And then because he was a first round pick, they had the fifth year option as well. And if they want to franchise him two more times after that, right. they got five years of team control to figure out if he really is the answer. So there's plenty of time here and they don't have to necessarily make a decision right now on whether he's the quote unquote answer or not. I, what I find really fascinating, if you look at the Bears last year, they owned the first half. They covered the spread like crazy in the first half. And uh, it always just seemed that the scripts that Matt Nagy had uh, mm-hmm. lined up for Trubisky in that offense just allowed them to flourish early on. Do you think that the Mike Pettin will be able to counter that at all and, and slow them down out of the gate? And if he does or doesn't, how much does that affect the, the full outcome of this game? Uh, I'm not sure. I think offenses, uh, especially early in the season, tend to have an advantage early in games just because there is, again, you have that scheming and you know exactly what you want to do. And especially in the first game of the season, you've been planning that first 10 to 15 play script for like months on end. And you're not allowed to hit quite as much in the offseason anymore. So I think it takes defenses a little bit more time just to get into their rhythm. And um, obviously, as the season goes on, it gets colder outside so defenses have a little bit more of an advantage there just because it's more difficult to throw the ball and it's more difficult to hang on to when you get hit and things like that so I do I do think that the the offenses have a little bit of an advantage but Mike Patton again is another guy that knows what he's doing I think to me the the advantage they have here is that there's so much new going on uh for them on that side of the ball there are so many new players for Green Bay it might take them a little bit of time to get adjusted to what guys do well and how they can best be put into positions to in position to succeed. And then um, the um, one thing is the bears, when they run, they mostly want to run it up the middle. And obviously Kenny Clark is right there in the middle of the defense, but Mike Daniels is not there anymore. Probably the second best run defender on the team, probably the second best defensive player on the team. And they just cut him this offseason to save cap space. And um, they're talking up David Montgomery so much in Chicago right now. And the, the interior of their offensive line uh, with, with white hair and um, and long uh, inside, um, I think they can uh, they can do some good things in the run game inside. Do you think? How do you think this backfield will shake out for Chicago? Because I know mean, we talked. I talked to Heath earlier today, and he thinks he's a little worried that David Montgomery, who by the way is listed third on the depth chart, might not be getting this lion's share of the carries that maybe we thought he would um, when, when some of us foolishly drafted him in round four or five of fantasy drafts. Yeah, I mean, I think that teams tend to do that kind of thing with rookies in terms of listing them low on the depth chart early in the season. And I think that a lot of teams also tend to ease rookies into their workload, even if they plan on using them heavily throughout the year. So you could see like, you know, five, six, seven touches for Mike Davis in addition to the, you know, eight to 12 touches for Tariq Cohen and then, you know, 10 to 15, I guess, something like that in the first week for Montgomery. I do think that he'll excuse me, he'll wind up being sort of their quote-unquote guy by the middle to end of the year just because of the way they've been talking about him throughout the entire offseason. And this is something that I wrote about in the piece also. He led the nation in broken tackles last Mm. season. And that is a really good thing, obviously, for a running back. That's exactly what you want, guys that can not just take the yards that are there from for them by what the offensive line creates, but create yards on their own. 
And when you have him doing that in the run game and Cohen, who is extremely shifty, doing that in the pass game and on screens and on things like jet sweeps and tosses to the outside, that's a really good combination, especially when you have a quarterback who, you know, is not the most accurate quarterback in the world and tends to make his plays happen on wide window throws and throws down the field. You need guys that are going to get you extra yards to put you in position to set him up to succeed. What do you think we can take? Like, what do you expect to take away from week one? Cause it's, this is, like, this is how it works, right? I mean, like it's the NFL. We haven't, it happened with the you know, first preseason game. Everybody freaks out when something happens. It's like, well, that's, that's, you know, like, like, but like this first game, we haven't had football in like not, you know, whatever it is, six or nine months. People are going to see this game and come away with a, okay, Aaron Rodgers is in trouble. Like, like what are you going to be looking for to take away from this game? I think more than, you know, what the quality of the teams are, who's good, who's bad, whether anyone's going to be a disaster or a superstar is more like the intentions of what teams want to do. Mm. I think that we'll, we'll learn a lot about, you know, what Matt LaFleur wants to do offensively. Um, you know, how the Bears defense will be different under Chuck Pagano than it was, uh, under Vic Fangio. Like, we, t- we talked about how they probably won't, you know, move their corners around. What if they do? What does that mean for the Bears defense right. throughout the rest of the season? You know, if the Packers come out and they're in a lot of spread looks and trying to run up the middle as opposed to coming up in like 12 or 13 personnel and throw play action a lot of times, what does that mean for what their offense will look like the rest of the year? Like, are they rotating their receivers and not playing Valdez Scantling and as often as we thought. And what does that mean for what their offense will look like? Things like that, I think are the more important takeaways early in the season is you're looking for intention rather than quality. You need to wait like, you know, a month, maybe six weeks before you really figure out what teams are good, what teams are bad and why it's more about what they want to do rather than what they are doing. Mm. Do you think this game matters in the long haul for who wins the NFC North? Oh, sure. I mean, I mean, I mean it does, obviously, but like, do you think it's like if the Bears put up 12 points against the Packers defense? Is it, oh, well, the Bear, like, is that a, the Bears are not winning the North situation? I mean, I don't think so. I mean, we saw, what was it, two years ago when, uh, the 49ers came out, I think, and stopped the Vikings in week one. And then the 49ers were terrible and the Vikings went to, you know, the divisional round and almost went to the NFC title game. Um, Again, I, th- I think a lot more matters about what teams want to do in the first week than, you know, the, the quality of what they put on the field. So, I mean, it it obviously puts you a little bit behind the eight ball if you lose a game to a division rival in the week one that you're expected to be competing for, you know, the divisional championship with. But that doesn't mean that you can't come back and eventually do it, especially because you have another game against them later in the season. But certainly you would rather start out, especially in a division game, having that, you know, that feather in your cap than you would having to work from behind. Hmm. All right. Let's get a prediction then. What do you think, uh, what do you think happens? What do you think the final score is? And what sort of, uh, maybe one, one sort of, not like a wild predict, not a crazy prediction, but like just sort of something that maybe would surprise some people that you think will happen in this game. Yeah. I mean, I had, uh, in my prediction, I had the, the Bears 23 and the Packers 20. Um, right, I think right that. Right on the Vegas line. Sorry. Right on the Vegas line. Smart. I mean, Oh, is it really? Oh, yeah, yeah, well, I yeah. didn't, I did not even look at it because uh, I haven't bet in, uh, like, I guess almost 10 years now. Um, don't judge, but don't, ju- don't, so judge. don't judge, don't judge. No, I'm, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm not judging anyone. It's just not something that I have done in a long time, but that's interesting that I nailed it right on the line. So I'm very proud of myself for that. 
Um, I guess one thing that I would expect to happen is, you know, I, I talked earlier about, you know, if the Bears are going to move Khalil Mack around, I think they're going to try to keep him on Balaga as often as possible. And I think that sets up really well for him to have a big impact on the game, certainly bigger than if he was rushing off Bakhtiari's side all the time, mm-hmm. especially because the Packers don't really have um, a blocking tight end that they could keep in there with him. Um, like Jimmy Graham is not going to stay in and block on 65% of his snaps or whatever. And um, the reason Aaron Jones wasn't getting all the playing time the last couple of years was because the coaches were dissatisfied with his blocking. So I think Mac could have sort of a similar impact to what he had in that first game last season. And that could throw a lot of things off for the Packers that wouldn't necessarily worry me about their long-term outlook. But I do think in this specific game scenario, Mac is just such a problem for them because he's so good at what he does on that specific side of the line. Mm. All right. Uh, I'm going to take the Packers to win, uh, let's see, 26-20. I think I just think uh, for whatever reason, the Packers get this done, and Aaron Rodgers has a big game, and then they come back to earth. I Maybe I'm anti-Bears. Maybe I'm maybe I'm maybe I'm irrationally fading the Bears, and I'm, I'm going to be pay, I'm going to pay a price. <laughs> I just think the loss of Vic Fangio is going to and like maybe the lack of what Chuck Pagano knows about Matt Lafleur is going to be a big advantage for Aaron Rodgers, who plays within the system at least in this first week. Is that is that a crazy idea? I don't think it's a crazy idea, and also I don't think you can ever go wrong picking Aaron Rodgers to rip out the Bears' hearts. <laughs> All right, Devin, we'll uh, we'll be back Monday to chat with you about uh two Monday night football games. Remember follow Dubes at uh, JADubin5, I believe is his Twitter handle. Uh read him read the preview on cbssports.com and uh we'll be talking to you twice a week, pal. Sounds good, man.